glory. Hey, what comes to your mind when you think about God? What comes to your mind when you think about God? A.W. Tozer says that what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. What do you think about when you think about God? See some old bearded figure in heaven like George Burns in the movie God would remind us of, right? Steve, you're laughing. I've not seen any emotion from you all day, but I mentioned that and you're like, oh yeah, take me back, right? Some of us may view him as he's mean, he's cruel, he's mad at the world, he's out to get us, right? He's furious, something, does he even care with what's happening around us today? Where is he? You ever ask yourself, hey, God, where are you right now? Seriously, do you not see what's happening, right? What comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. We launched a series last week entitled Awe, A-W-E, and that word awe has similar words like honor and, and respect, uh, reverential fear, all of those things, whenever you understand that you're in the presence of something or someone greater than you, you are all struck. I, I remember when I was a kid um, and, and, and playing basketball back in the day, that was back in the day when the greatest basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan, was playing. And, and I mean, there were commercials and every little boy and every little girl we, we would chant, if I could be like Mike, right? We understood greatness. We understood that, that he did things that, man, we'd never seen anyone else do. Hey, what comes to your mind when you think about God? Last week, we, 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 we talked about that, that whatever that object, whatever that thing or that person is that you are in awe over, that tends to shape the direction of your life. And so our whole purpose during this series is for us to somehow come to the proper awareness of and a greater awareness of who God is. Because I believe that if we see God for who he truly is, and if we have an understanding of what he's capable of, seriously, that will truly shape and direct your path, direct your life. Amen? I think so many of us, though, we have such a narrow view or such a small view or such a contained view of who God is and what he's capable of. And so somehow we're just praying that God would just blow the top off of whatever box or limitations you've placed around him and that we would begin to understand who he truly, truly is. When you read throughout scripture and when people came to a true awareness and understanding as to who God is. And even today, for some, it, 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 it changes you. For some, it leaves you quivering. And, and, and in fact, most of the people that we find in Scripture that encountered God for who he truly was, it left them shaking as a result of that experience. You, you know, out of, out of all the people that we read about in Scripture, um, Jesus probably is the name most associated with the Bible. Would you agree with that? Uh, Jesus would be, but, but probably not far behind Jesus would be a man by the name of Moses, uh, a, a man who, whose life that, that many of us know about, because let's just be real, we've seen 
the Ten Commandments way too many times over the course of our lifetime on TV, right? I Googled it. How long? Because that movie seems like it never ends, right? Come on. How many of you, how many, be honest, don't lie, you're in church, and those of you that are watching online right now, but how many of you have literally been, you said, I've sat and watched from the very beginning to the closing credits with one time, you guys are, okay, there are greater places in heaven for people like you because I, I can't make it through it, Right? Uh, it's three hours and 40 minutes long. Angie and I went and saw the new James Bond movie last weekend, and, and the lady at the snack bar said, you better load up on snacks because this is a long movie. It paled in comparison to the Ten Commandments, right? But we know a lot about Moses, some of us, because Charlton Heston taught us, or if you're younger, maybe some vegetables in a cartoon on a video you watch taught you about Moses. But, but for the rest of us theologians, we read the Bible, and uh, we... We can pick up some things about who he is, right? But I love the story of Moses um, on so many different levels. One of those reasons I love the story of Moses is is because um, um, Moses thought he was finished and done, but God said, I've got a greater plan for your life. And and, and maybe that might just be a word for someone here today. Um, If you're not dead, God's not done, okay? Okay. If you're not dead, God's not done. And I've been saying that a lot because I know it's been easy for a lot of us to feel like we're down and out for the count, right? Remember what we say, it's not the knockdown that defines you, but it's the get up that does, right? You're going to get knocked down. Jesus says in this world, you will have trouble, but he wants us to take heart. I've overcome the world, right? You're going to get knocked down. That should not define you. And I love that because we see that in the life of this man by the name of Moses. You know that he's born, he's a Hebrew, right? We know that when he was a baby, Pharaoh, the leader, gives a, a, a law that, 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 that baby boys need to be murdered and killed, whether population, I don't know why, just, he's just angry, right? Moses' mom hides him in a basket, puts him in the reeds in the, in the river there. You remember that story? Am I talking to anybody yet? This wasn't a part of the Ten Commandments, I don't think, was it? Was it, Alan? It was in there? <laughs> I need to watch the movie. Anyway, um, but, but we know that Pharaoh's very own daughter finds Moses in the river, right? Takes him in. So he's gone from, from a basket in the river to the palace of Pharaoh, right? He's raised as royalty, right? We know that one day that in the midst of him roaming around the palace and seeing how the slaves, his very own people, he knew that were being mistreated. We know that he acts out of anger one day and he actually murders someone who's abusing one of his people, a slave there, right? Of course, I don't know if you know this, but murder is, is a bad thing. And, and Moses understands that also. And so he flees, he leaves. Pharaoh, of course, hearing word of that, sets a manhunt, puts a bounty, dog the bounty hunter on the loose, trying to find Moses. And so we find Moses, this man who once enjoyed the palace and and everything that it brought. We now find him in in the book of Exodus chapter 3. He's hiding out in the wilderness of Midian. He's there. He's a murderer. He knows that there's a bounty out on him, and so he's hiding. He's taking refuge. And, and I don't know about you, but what a blow to his psyche that must have been to, to see where he was now to find himself some 40 years living out in the wilderness. But remember what I just said. If you're not dead, 
God's not done. And in Exodus chapter three, we find an incredible, awesome story. In fact, the whole book of Exodus is an incredible book that I would encourage you to read. But I love this encounter that Moses has with God one day. I want to read it to you beginning in verse one of chapter three of Exodus. It says, one day Moses is tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, who's the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and he came to Sinai, the mountain of God. So the mountain of God is called what? Mount Sinai, a significant mountain in the story of the book of Exodus, correct? We know that it's this mountain that Moses would meet with God time and time again. It was um, in this wilderness, he came to Sinai, the mountain of the Lord, and it was there that the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement, as you probably would as well, Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. He's inquisitive, right? I mean, you would probably be amazed by that as well. And this was probably something theologians would say would, was not uncommon in a dry wilderness, an arid land. You know, it's hot things probably burn up all the time, but this bush was different. It was fully, scripture says, fully engulfed in flames, but yet it did not burn up. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Now listen, if a burning bush on fire yet not consumed is not enough to wow and amaze you, when that thing starts calling your name, I don't know what would happen to you, but a change of clothes would probably be necessary. Right? I mean, this is absolutely incredible. Is this not, has anybody else ever lived what I'm reading out to you yet? No, it's awesome. I love this. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. That's the first time we find this word holy in Scripture. And God declaring that where you're standing, Moses, is holy. If something's holy, it's of God, because God is holy. Going back to the books that I used to sing from in church, hymn number one was that very hymn. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. It was, right? From the very beginning, God's wanting to remind us, God's wanting to remind Moses here whose presence he's in. You're standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Remember what I said just a few moments ago that when you read throughout scripture and people have an, a, a true encounter, a true experience with God, it changes them, visibly changes them. Moses understands who he is in the presence of and he's filled with awe. He covers his face. 
I, I, I love this in, in Exodus chapter 3. I love it because God uses an unusual way to communicate and speak to Moses. Isn't that how oftentimes God speaks? Come on, I know for some of you, there might be some of you in this room that says, hey, I've heard God speak in this way. And, and for some others who've never experienced it that way, it might be a little, oh, come on, I really don't know if I can believe that or not. But listen, God does speak to us in various ways, correct? We talked last week about how God speaks through creation. In fact, this week, have you seen God in some incredible way? Somebody prayed this morning about seeing God in the lives of children. We've heard people say, I've seen God through the birth of a child, right? But God speaks to us in unusual and creative ways. And I love that in Exodus chapter three, that God chooses to communicate with Moses through, would you not agree, a most unusual way. God will do whatever he can to speak to his people. God will do whatever he can to capture our attention and speak to us. Listen, you need to understand something today. God wants to commune and speak to you. He wants to spend that time with you. And even right now, even in this room, he's speaking right now. Are we listening? You definitely got Moses' attention here in Exodus chapter 3, right? Moses, I want you to know that, 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 that I am God. I'm the God of your father, Abraham. And Jake, I'm, I am God. I am the one true God. Moses, I want you to remove your sandals. Moses begins, removing of your sandals was, was an act or demonstration of reverence in the presence of a king. You know, I got to be honest with you that it can be real easy for us, even when we enter moments like this, to come into a place of worship a little too casually, right? Or, or, or we can miss the significance of the very one whose presence we're here. I love what Lindsay said, that, that the presence is not just contained here, but he's here, right? And I think if we're not careful, we can become, again, a little too comfortable with God. This is how he operates, and this is what he's going to do, and this is what he should. And we can, we can enter these moments with God a little irreverent, can we not? Not seeing him for who he truly is. It's interesting to me that God speaks through fire. Fire is symbolic of the holiness of God. So Moses is actually hearing the voice of God. He's seeing God manifest himself in all of his holiness. And his only appropriate response is to remove those sandals because where he is standing and whose presence he's standing in is holy. It's majestic and it's right. Let me ask you a question today. When you come to God in worship, do you approach him a little too casual? Or do you come as if you've been invited to the presence of a king? You're an invited guest. God welcomes us in. Moses is out in the wilderness. He thinks he's done. He thinks his life is over. But yet God says, I'm not finished with you, Moses. Of course, we know what begins to happen from Exodus chapter 3 for the next several chapters. We know that Moses is still a little taken. God says, I'm going to use you to go and set my people free from Pharaoh. Hey, excuse me, God, Pharaoh, the very one that is after me, why would I return? That's like, that's a death sentence. 
Why would I go back? Here I am. Listen, your best bounty hunters can't find me. I'm just going to produce myself for you. Who does that? Moses, I am who I am. Tell him that I have sent you. Moses, through a series of just God proving himself. Isn't that how we oftentimes are? God, you need to prove that you really are in this, that you really are God. Moses, what's in your hand? Staff, throw it down. Boom, snake. Remember that? Grab it up by the, pick it up by the tail. Who picks the snake up by tail? Not, not smart people. Because you know that it can whip its head, picks that and it becomes a staff again. Moses, put your hand inside your cloak, pull it out. Ah, it's leprous or it's sick. Ah, Moses, put it back in, pulls it out. It's healed. God goes through in chapter four here, revealing to Moses, Moses, I got you, but God, I don't speak so well. Isn't that like us? We have so many excuses not to do what God calls us to do, or we make excuses as to why we're not qualified to be used by, by God. You know, I, I, I saw Jeff Rogers, Jeff Rogers, where are you at today, bro? Where are you at? Jeff, Right here, Jeff Rogers, one of our, our missionaries that we support in Malawi, Jeff and Kareen and, and their family, years ago left this to go and just a call of God. Little did they know to the extent of how God was going to bless and work. But your lives have just been a testimony, as is Moses is. What happens when we step out and we trust the Lord? He does, as we girls talked about, we girls, I'm not one, but as... <laughs> Excuse me, as the girls is what I meant to say, as the girls talked about this week, that our God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever dream or ask, right? Come on, you guys at Child Legacy are a living demonstration, and so is Moses. God, I don't speak so well. He's still making up excuse after excuse. That's okay, I'm going to send Aaron. He's more eloquent of speech. I'm old. That's okay, Moses. I got you, boo. You're, you know, I'm with you. We know he goes. We know that over a course of Pharaoh not believing that an old man was, could really deliver millions of people, right, and plagues. You read the story or watch the movie after the Broncos win today. Watch the movie. Don't, don't go there. But we know that God delivers people and Moses begins to lead them to the land that was promised to them. We know that the people sometimes were focused on God. And, and, and by the way, even in their journey, I mean, talk about awesome God revealing himself to the people in an awesome way. What are we going to eat? Rain down manna from heaven. Hey, Pharaoh's armies are approaching. That's all right. I'm going to protect you got a cloud and I got fire and we're going to just, God would show up. And I mean, seriously, these are the people that should by no mistake know that God is awesome, filled with what? We know that God, that Moses would go up on this mount. What was the mountain of God called? Mount what? Sinai. He would go and spend time with God there and the people could see God hovering around that as a cloud. Moses would hear from the Lord. 40 days on the mountain brings those two tablets, 10 commandments down. The people have given up on God. I know that we never would. 
they gave up on God and they begin to form their own gods and idols and images and, and they begin to worship and Moses is frustrated and mad. Come on, what are y'all thinking? We know that he throws those tablets down and they break. Fast forward, continue to find their journey. Moses, time and time again, would go into to what we read as the tent of meeting. It was this special tent that, that he would set up away from the camp where he would go and just commune and meet with God. And once again, the cloud, the awesome presence of God in a cloud surrounded that. And the people, scripture says, would stand outside theirs and they could look and see the presence of God. God is awesome, isn't he? Revealing himself. God would hear, or Moses would hear from God in this tent of meeting and come and deliver the words to the people. God promised Moses, I will go with you to the land. But yet in fast forward to Exodus chapter 33, Moses makes yet one more request of God that I want to focus on before we let you guys go home and get ready for that Bronco victory today. <laughs> I know that's why you guys came to 10 o'clock. Some of y'all 1130 people. It's okay. You're here. Leave your offering to <laughs> Exodus chapter 33. Look, because that first time in Exodus chapter 3, remember, said that Moses was on the ground and he covered his face. That would be, not be the last time that Moses would cover his face as a result of an encounter with God. You see, in chapter 33, beginning in verse 18, Moses makes another request of God. Not only would his presence go with him, to the promised land. But Moses says, God, would you show me your glorious presence? And the Lord replied, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will call out my name Yahweh before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you, Moses, you may not look directly at my face for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, look, I want you to stand near me on this rock. Actually, it's in a crevice, the cleft of the rock. Stand between it. And as my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. And then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. You see, that's just the incredible difference between us as finite and an infinite or infinite God. There's a gap. Listen, so many of us think we're God and we try to act like God and we think we can do things that really only God can do, right? But God is so much greater than us. And even here, he's wanting to show, I love that God grants Moses' request. Lord, would you show me your glory? May I ask you a question? Have you ever prayed that? H have you ever prayed, God, would you show me your glory? Wow. I oftentimes just pray, hey, God, I need you to take care of this situation. Or, hey, God, I, I'm, I'm a little ill. Would you just heal me, Jehovah Rapha, and Jaira, you are, I mean, I do. 
when's the last time we truly prayed and asked God, would you show us your glory? In fact, maybe that could be a prayer of ours this week is that somehow we would ask God, would you show us really the fullness of who you are? And the reality is we're like Moses and we will not truly see the fullness of God because no human can see him and live. But I love that even in God's goodness to Moses and his kindness to this murderer of all people, God still kind of lets him see the trail of his glory, the effects, much like all this confetti that is still hanging around this facility. God grants Moses desire. How awesome is that? Moses knew God. They've been talking. He's delivered tablets. He's brought them down. He's been on the mountain 40 days. I mean, but yet God still cares enough and wants Moses to experience him for all that he is. Can I just tell you guys, I believe God wants you to experience him in his fullness also. I don't know what might happen if we would begin to pray, God, would you, would you just kind of blow my mind? Take me to that next level as to who you truly are. I don't know about you because I, I just tend to think that Mo, Moses trembled in the presence of God. And I just kind of sometimes view God as just kind of a, a warm blanket just to kind of keep me comfortable, cozy. It's not what you see in Moses here. He hides his face. He, he, he cannot. And, and, and by the way, I, I love when you look in chapter 34, Moses, God, God gives Moses, goes back on the mountain of God. The mountain of God is known as what? Mount Sinai. He gets the tablets again. <laughs> Ten Commandments, part two, you know, version two brings them for the people. And I love what it says in, 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 in Exodus chapter 34. In verse 29, it says, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai carrying the two, two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. Hey, talk about your daily devo going to the next level. Man, what would happen? If we begin to pray, God, would you show us your glory? And what if we begin to pursue and, and just made the time where, where we glowed because of our encounter with the Lord? Would that not be awesome? He goes on to say, when Aaron and the people of Israel saw the radiance of Moses' face, they were afraid to come near is that not an awesome encounter with the Lord? I, I, I can't help but think that God wants us to encounter his presence in a similar way. Moses just radiated. His encounter with God was so awesome that people couldn't even look at him and he had to cover his face. You know, it's interesting to me when you fast forward to the book of Acts, that the apostles were known by the religious leaders in the book of Acts. They said, we can tell that you've been with Jesus. It doesn't say that they had to cover their face because their faces were radiant. But yet, even in that moment, those early believers, unbelievers could tell, mm, 
you've had an encounter with someone greater than you. And we can see it. Hey, come on, 1910. What might happen to us if we had such encounters with the Lord in, in, in our prayer closets or in our commutes this week? In our conversations with people, could we have encounters with God this week that there would be no mistaking to other people? Woo! It is on you. The Spirit's on you. Or, or, or our Hey, some of us need to tell our faces that we've been in the presence of God. We need to show it. It ought to be evident to people. It was evident to people around Moses. He's been with the Lord. Oh, may that be said of us. No mistaking. No mistaking. And I love Moses' response to those encounters with the Lord. In fact, I, I, I believe it's a message for us as the church today that the most important activity of God's people is the worship of God. We worship him. Because we understand who he is. He is, he should be high and lifted up. He is majestic. He's glorious. He is the one person worthy of our reverential worship. May it not be said of us that we enter into that time with him casually, but that we enter into it ah, with the proper view of who. God is. Father, I pray that you would fill us with awe and wonder as to who you are. God, may we be filled with awe and wonder at the ways that you work in us. God, may we never enter those times of communion with you, those times of worship with you casually. God, forgive us for, 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 for not seeing you for who you truly are and for having such a low view. God, would you awaken us to a new level of awe? Because God, whatever we look at that is awe for us, Lord, that will begin to shape and direct our lives. And God, I want my life to be a life that honors and glorifies the God of creation, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. I pray that for me. And I pray that for everyone that's listening here today. Fill us with more of your presence. May our faces become radiant. And may we be accused of being men and women that have been with Jesus. All for your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.